I didn't play any drafts yesterday. I was tired. It's okay. There were books. That's fine. I have I'm, uprooted, actually. I support reading books. I have uprooted. I haven't started reading it yet, but it's on my desk. Uh, and I plan to read it Yeah, you know, whenever I finish the pile I'm on. <laughs> yeah. What are you reading right now? I am cycling between... There's a website I found that has a bunch of collections of short stories. That's odd. I have a bookmark somewhere. I think it's on my laptop in the other room. Mm-hmm. But I could not tell you the name of it. It doesn't make any sense. They just got a bunch of like kind of fan fictiony stuff, and I just kind mm-hmm. of like reading through it to see what people are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I mean, nothing's super well written or anything, but there's some like uh, heartwarming stories. Uh huh. I read like a really good, um, maybe not really good, but really good for that website, I guess. Uh, <laughs> like trans analogy type deal. That was mm-hmm. kind of sci-fi-ish, but it was it was neat. I liked it. It, was, it got good feelings. You know, that is a compelling reason to read a thing. You know, yeah. not everything needs to be the most tightly written thing in the world. If it, like, makes you feel something, then it's art that is worth having. Yeah. So I've just been cycling through that stuff, and I'll probably stop and read Uprooted. Yeah, I, I certainly highly recommend it alongside every single novel of hers because i think she is actually my favorite author right now i don't know i don't remember the author naomi novik i need to look up what else she's done so it is that and spinning silver and they're almost like companion novels in that they are really similar styles she is currently writing a series that is a like wizarding school thing (laughs) but it actually acknowledges it's it's entirely about uh, class differences. Oh, really? And that's like the main crux of the like concept of the wizarding school. It's very good. And then before that, she has a nine book alternate history in which the Napoleonic Wars. Oh, are that's being the dragon with dragons. One. That's that person. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, yeah. I, I didn't realize it was the same author as that. Yeah. When I saw that her other thing that she had written was a nine book alternate history series featuring like what if dragons existed and were being used during the napoleonic wars like there was a huge part of me that was just like oh man what a disappointment that it's like this <laughs> thing that i would like that concept is a thing that like a bunch of very badly written like fantasy novels that you see on the shelves at a store and just never pick up like but I started reading one just to give it a shot because I liked her other books so much. And then I read the entire nine book series in like a month and change. So I think it's also uh, a lot different when it's an alternate history as opposed to like, this is a generic fantasy world. There are dragons kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. There's some very bad alternate histories that just like add fantasy elements into, you know, but this one really worked. So I was a fan. I'm probably not going to start with the nine book series. <laughs> That's fair. I was really thirsty for more Naomi Novik novels after reading what she had out. First, so yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to do the other two. I, I'm actually looking forward to that. Yeah. You have a fun journey ahead of you, I believe. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 243 of the MTG Grindcast, the 
spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Lee McLeod, and with me is Chris Castro-Apple. Hi, CCR. Hey, Lee. How you doing? I don't know. This is slightly uncomfortable, actually. Yeah, I'm doing the intro because you did all the work for this episode. Uh, I have not been doing anything, and you have been only playing, well, not only, I guess, but a large majority, you have been playing a lot of Nuka Pen Unlimited. I mean, it depends on what your definition of only is. If it's like, this is the only thing I've been doing. Like, yes, I have, like, made breakfast, and I've, like, gone to work and stuff. Uh, if it's the only magic, yes, I have only been playing Nuka Pen Unlimited. I have not been playing any other magic at all. So that's that's what our episode's about today. We're just going to do a limited episode. Chris has been playing a lot of limited. I have not. I know very little about the limited format other than what I have heard through the grapevine and like kind of picked up here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Yeah, and some of which I, you know, some of the popular sentiment I agree with, some I do not agree with. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, having the this is what I have heard through social media's response to the set, and then I can kind of like talk through why or why that may be true or not be true. I mean, social media is you get a lot of opinions, but one mm-hmm. of the big problems with it is that there is always like two conflicting opinions of every yes. subject at all times. So I've heard everything from New Capenna is like one of the worst limited sets they've done in a while to oh my god, this is the best ever, and <laughs> kind of like every range for any card I've heard anyone talk about other than like busted rares, of course. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time and I want to mostly avoid talking about like this set is good for this reason, or this set is bad for that reason. I'm not sure that that's super helpful, except, you know, if you need a recommendation for like, should I play this format? I mean, the way that I'm approaching it, the reason I've been playing so much and the reason we're doing an episode on it is because New Capenna Limited is the format for the arena qualifiers this season. I think this upcoming arena open is also New Capenna Limited. I don't even really care that much if the format is bad because I am so like satiated by the fact that I'm doing limited for a purpose. You're invested. That, like, yeah, I'm very invested because it's limited season and I'm learning how to play this limited format. I think I'm pretty deep into it and have a pretty, pretty deep knowledge of what's going on here. And uh, draft particularly, I've not been playing as much sealed yet, but I will start that at some point. I, I think I can give a really good idea of what's going on in this draft format for sure. It's also way more appealing to play draft on Arena other than just the normal, like people just generally prefer draft reasons. But also sealed on arena is like really hard to parse. <laughs> the deck builder is not good. It's horrible. I actually tweeted asking like what people are doing for sealed deck building, and I got a link in response that's like, here, use this website. This is a helpful tool. And so I will be trying that out when I dive into sealed. I believe the websites I've seen are the similes of the magic online interface where you drag the cards around in a yes. like a window, which is kind of how you just do it in paper, right? Right, exactly. So you can see all of the cards at once, and you can only see a handful of cards at once on Arena. It's not fun. So where do you want to start uh, with the limited format? Like, how do you... Do you want to just, like, define it? Like, what kind of format is this? Yeah, so I, I think it's important to start out with kind of the parameters that have developed that 
set out the terms of engagement of the format. Uh, and I think the big thing that, you know, just looking at the list of cards, you would not get this unless you are some sort of absolute limited mastermind. But what has played out is that this format is hyper-aggressive. This is a Zendikar-esque format, which is really strange for a multicolored format to be, particularly one that ostensibly is focusing on, like, three-color combinations. Spoiler, it, this is not a draft-a-three-color deck format. I don't think that any aggressive format could be that. Uh, I also think it's, side note, really hard for a a three color set to be that because all the other ones are also pretty difficult like they're really two color mm -hmm. oriented even though you can splash a third color yeah you would need like you know there's no three color commons in this format you would need three color commons that are important in order to make a format that and they need to be like three mana three color commons to encourage you to have your like 888 mana base with your mana fixing and stuff and this format just doesn't not only doesn't require you to do that, but I think you are actively harming yourself if you try to do that. And and sometimes you fall into it, but I think that's pretty rare. So Zendikar aggro style, like do you, why? What makes the format like that? Okay, so I think there's several bits and pieces that add together to make it like that. The big thing is just like every card is bad at blocking. Like, none of the creatures block well. One of the ways that the format is defined is by the, this kind of cycle of common gold creatures. And four of them are two drops, and one of them, the blue-white one, is a three drop. That's Celestial Regulator. That's the three mana, two, three. Taps a creature when it comes into play. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step if you had a creature with a counter on it. The other ones are Jetmere's Fixer, which is a green-red 2-2 two, two that you can pay a green and a red to give it plus one, plus one. Or if you used a treasure, it gets a counter instead. Civil Servant, green-white for a 2-3. Whenever it attacks, you can tap another uh, untapped uh, citizen you control to give it plus one, plus oh, and lifelink until end of turn. Uh, and then there's Snooping Newsy, which is literally the only one that is even slightly better on defense than offense, which is blue-black for a 2-2. Two, two. And when it ETBs, you mill two, and it gets plus one, plus one, and lifelink if you have five different costs in your graveyard. All of those creatures, except for Snooping Newsies, arguably, are just way better at attacking than blocking. And that pattern kind of continues for basically all of the common creatures. Not only are the cards generally bad at blocking, the removal spells are mostly not very good. Part of this is because the curves are so centered around two and three drops and the removal spells just cost like more than that. So only strangle is like actually efficient and the rest of them, you are potentially like losing some tempo or their cards like uh, run out of town, which is three and a blue to put a permanent on the top or bottom of the, of its owner's library. And you know, that kind of card is not good when the board is like, even or you you know your opponent plays a creature and then you bounce that doesn't do anything if your opponent plays a creature and you do that and then get in for four damage then your spell just did four damage yeah most so, of the time bounce spells and limited are the all right get rid of your blocker for a turn pushing a bunch of damage exactly and and there's even like much more explicit versions of that rooftop nuisance is two and a blue tap target creature it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step draw a card and it has connive one that's Casually just like one. this card 
or ca- yeah, has casualty one. This card basically doesn't have text if you're getting attacked. It's just like a weird, like crappy fog. If you are attacking, though, it's one of the most backbreaking cards that you could ever play. And just like a huge number of cards are like that. And there's also very little payoff for playing cards that are more expensive than like three mana. All the three mana commons are quite good. And there aren't really like good four and fives that are just like, oh yeah, this stabilizes me. This gets me card advantage. This helps me. This is a reason to extend the game out. Like there's a cycle of biggish creatures that are, you can exile them to like fix your mana and then you can cast them at five or six or even seven mana, but they're just not good enough payoffs for making the game go long. And actually like almost all of the four and five mana plays at common are just blitz costs for creatures and blitz in general like most of these creatures once you get past turn two or so you just like want to be casting the blitz cost because it's like a ball lightning that draws you a card which is not good when you're getting attacked but it's very 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 good when you are attacking and those are most of the four and five mana costs that you actually want to pay at common in this format the two three that puts two counters on a creature that's really good when you like have a flyer and you're attacking Gerdagoons getting that four damage from hitting them this is the four four that creates a two two when it dies you just want to be beating down in this format and basically all of the commons have just like this force multiplier when you are the one tapping your creatures and they do not very much when you're getting attacked and they are mostly backbreaking when you are attacking for that reason i actually did want to ask about the the common cycle that you can exile them from your hand to like basically enchant a land uh Mm -hmm. to fix for the three colors they are yeah do you need that much mana fixing on this format it doesn't feel like you're like that's really what the games you're talking about are really about right and generally when my opponent taps two mana so There's like a couple of stages to the game. The first stage is who has a two drop. When I play a two drop, I'm like waiting and I'm like, if my opponent doesn't play something here, I think I got him. And then they tap two lands and I'm like, okay, I think we got a game of Magic the Gathering. And then they enchant one of their lands to make it mana fixed instead of playing something. I'm like, oh, okay, my opponent's just dead. So (laughs) I think generally they're not great. You can't do it on turn two. Uh, you have to like actually want the creature for some reason, and then you can also count it a little bit towards your mana fixing, but it's not the most efficient way to go about that. So I like the Brokers one, the, the Bant one, because it detains a creature for a turn, and that lets you get in damage, so it has an immediate <laughs> effect on the board. The Grixis one can be okay, because Grixis is like the one color combination which we'll talk about later, that I'm okay with being a little more controlling in, and so a 6-drop that scries actually can do something. The Angel, the Esper one, is unplayable because it's 7 mana. If you have that card in your deck, then your draft probably went wrong somewhere. You know, it's a 4-4 that gains you 3 life. You can't pay 7 mana for that in this format. The Naya one gives you 2 bodies, so oftentimes in specific decks it can be acceptable, but that deck is one that I'm not really trying to be in if I can avoid it. So, you know, that's kind of like how that cycle breaks down. The the Jund one, uh, you don't want to be in Jund in this format. Uh, you want to be in one of those two color combinations and preferably not red-green, although I have thoughts about red-green and I think it is a little bit better 
than people have been giving it credit for. People just aren't going hard enough on how you need to draft the deck to make it effective. Uh, do you want to talk more about the, like, two-drop curve into playing the game from there, or do you want to, like, discuss the color imbalances you just brought up? Because <laughs> never uh, playing Jund is a strong statement. So you should... Right. So here's the problem, which is that more than any of the other combinations, red-green requires you to be hyper, hyper-aggressive. That's the blitz You're, color. Yeah. Your cards don't get good later on in the game, and my... And I've actually, like, red-green is the worst color combination in, like, the 17 land stats by a lot. It's at, like, 52%, and then the next lowest is at, like, 55%, and all, like, blue-white is at, like, 61%. It's very, very good. Yeah. 52% is, like, the below average for 17 lands users because they're slightly better than... yeah. And right, self-selecting because seventeen lands users are going to be a little more engaged, so they care more. They out want to like, collect their data. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the red green deck needs to be hyper aggressive. You need to have a lot of twos. You need to have lots of combat tricks. You need to have ways to push damage. None of these things go along with having another color. Uh, every once in a while, you can splash something, but most of the black cards that are trying to go along with the like Jund plan are not as are not engaged in this hyper aggro thing they're engaged in a blitz value-ish plan or a fake your own death which is the one in a black when a creature would die instead return it to the battlefield tapped you get a treasure it also gives a creature plus two plus so you know they're, they're interested in doing like some tricksy stuff but they're not as good at the i'm just trying to 20 my opponent by turn six <laughs> and i i need to do this and so that Jund combination just doesn't really work. Sometimes you can splash a card because you do generally make some number of treasures in red-green. But yeah, Jund is like a disaster spot to have ended up in. And one of the ways that you know this, honestly, is just by looking at the cycles of the multicolored cards. Like the Jund-colored uncommon is black-red-green for a 4-2 haste that's indestructible the turn it enters the battlefield, which is... Like, if you know you can cast that on turn three, okay, sure, that's a fine card. But that's not how mana fixing works in Limited, even in this format. And also, you just might not draw it, too. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and you draw it, and it's just like a haste guy that, like, the broker's version of that card in the cycle is blue, white, green for a 2-1 double strike with a shield counter yeah, on it. that card is nice. Uh and this format is, you know, defined by two and three drops. Basically, every creature is a 2-1, a 2-2, or a 3-2. And the duelist is just not... You can't engage with it on the board in any <laughs> meaningful way. It runs the game the entire time it's in play. And, uh, you know, compare that with a 4-2 that, like, you know, doesn't die the first time it attacks. It's, it's not the same thing. So, yeah, that, that color imbalance thing is pretty telling and i think it's actually heavily connected with the two drop situation in in some ways part of it is you know so basically the decks that everybody wants to be drafting the decks that have the highest win rate are blue white and green white and sometimes you can have a little bit of a splash in those as a treat mm -hmm. brokers it the bant guild generally wins a lot has a lot of very powerful cards at the core of it is 
it's just a little bit better at doing the things the format is demanding that you do. There are several good two drops in white. There's the uh, Rafine's Informant, one in a white for a 2-1 that connives when it ETBs, which is maybe the second best common in the format, according to the stats. <laughs> and then there's also one in a white for a 1-1 one, one, that when it ETBs puts a plus one plus one counter on target creature. A creature that has been borderline unplayable in a bunch of limited formats, but in this one is perfectly acceptable to excellent. Because there's because... also several cards in the format that care about you having a counter on your card, like the blue-white common, mm -hmm. the frost Yeah, Yeah, that cares about it. If you have a plus one, plus one counter on one of your creatures, when you cast exotic pets, instead of making two one one fish, you get to make a two two fish and a one one fish that are unblockable, mm -hmm. which is very good. Uh, you also have a lot of flyers to put that plus one, plus one counter on. You have a lot of lifelinkers. You have a decent number of double strikers even. And sometimes you can combine those. Skycrier is the third good two drop in white. That's just one in a white for a one one lifelink with a bad activated ability, lifelink flyer. But in this format, it ends up working pretty well because you got to make a, a two drop on turn two. And then it gives you this upside as the game goes on because you have a number of ways to pump it and that life swing can make a big difference. So because white has these good two drops and also just the craziest common that we've seen in a very long time, which is the Overseer, two and a white, two one flying. When it ETBs, you draw a card and gain a life. Inspiring Overseer. The Inspiring Overseer. Yeah. Just that card's better than like all of the uncommons in the set. I was really surprised when I saw it spoiled because I was pretty impressed by whatever the dwarf is from AFR. I've already forgotten the name of it because it doesn't mm -hmm. match up to this card. But that yeah. card was really good when it I was know. printed. And then this and card is just... It just has flying. Strictly better. <laughs> yeah. It's very... It's as... You know, it's just as good as you would think. I think that it has a higher win rate than... At one point, it had a higher win rate than every uncommon in the set and almost all of the rares. I, I'm Maybe that has ticked down a little bit. But... White is just starting from this place where it's engaging in what the format has determined it's important in, like, all of the best ways. Uh, it just races really well, and it pushes damage really, really well, and kind of has all of the things going for it. And the white-blue deck in particular, I think, is phenomenal if you can get it. And it even has things like... At Uncommon, one of the few removal spells you're actually happy to be casting in this format, which is Sleep with the Fishes, which taps down a creature and gives you a 1-1 unblockable fish. Um, but even if you don't get any playable actual removal spells, if you're on the offense and you use things like Run Out of Town and Rooftop Nuisance, then it doesn't matter what creatures your opponent casts. You're just attacking for 3-5 to five damage a turn, some of it flying, and you're keeping their creatures from doing anything is kind of the goal of the deck and what the best versions do. And the existence of this deck that is doing those things means that, you know, I, I think it may be this deck that is heavily defining the format, because you're not going to beat that by, like, slowly getting value and playing a 5-drop and etc, etc, unless you just have Buku way more removal spells than you can possibly get in this format. You know, you're just going to get walked over when it's like, okay, I'm going to stabilize by playing this five drop. Well, even if that has reach and like, it's just not going to do it. There's too many cards that are good at getting damage through. And the 
presence of shield counters on uncommons and such in the set. Also, isn't there like a two drop blue common that puts a shield counter on one of your guys when it dies too? Yeah, yeah. And that that card is totally fine in the blue-white deck. And certainly removal can get a little bit awkward. And and just generally, like, you can't pay four mana to kill a creature. Their, Their creatures all cost two and three mana. So... I want to ask about Grixis then, because that's the natural place for me to go when you say, Mm -hmm. like, you know, removal spell decks or linking decks are really hard to build in this format. Yeah. What makes Grixis playable in this sphere other than just playing, like, the the good blue cards you're talking about? Yeah. So Strangle is, I think, the number one reason that Grixis is playable. So one red mana sorcery three damage to target creature or planeswalker and that kills most of the three drops and that lets you i mean number one it lets you double spell at some point pretty early in the game and that can allow you to like buy your tempo back so i think strangle is a huge part of it you also have to play some number of other removal spells in your deck obviously i mean you can't end up with seven strangles and also, all of the good cards have four toughness. Like, all of the, like, ooh, that's a really good uncommon, or ooh, that's a rare that I'm, like, willing to splash a third color for. They just all have four toughness, so they don't die to strangle, they don't die to the four mana black removal spell that gives minus three, minus three, and it's basically impossible to kill them with one of the fight cards. That's another thing about the format is a bunch <laughs> of the rares just, like, do not die to removal and do horrifying things. So... You do need other things. You need some number of murders or sleep with the fishes or, you know, some things to, like, keep killing stuff. But Strangle is what allows you to have, like, good turns that make Grixis something that you're into. And then you do need some of the uncommon and ideally rare, but, you know, if you get enough good rares, you can play a controlling deck in different color combinations. But I don't really care about those archetypes because that's not you can't rely on that. In Grixis specifically, the uncommons that help you do this are Corpse Appraiser, which is excellent. Blue, black, red for a 3-3 when ETBs exile a creature card from a graveyard. If you do, you just get a strategic planning. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, and and the key here is that you want to be wheeling this card, but the uncommon Grixis legend and uh, what is the name of this card? Cormella Glamour Thief. Yes. This is one blue, black, red for a 2 4 haste. One tap, add blue, black, red. Spend this mana only to cast instant and/or sorcery spells. When Cormella Glamour Thief dies, return up to one instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So, you know, you look at this card and it's not clear. It seems like it could be strong. You're not totally sure what to do with it. And then you start seeing it wheeling. And then this is this is my process in the format. I started seeing it wheeling like all the time. And it seems like, okay, this seems like there needs to be something to do with it, but people haven't quite figured it out. And the thing you do with it is you can play this controlling Grixis deck. There's not like a huge place to like dump this mana into, but it does let you cast this with one mana up and keep up a trick. And those tricks that you can have are these black spells, fake your own death which is the revive card we talked about earlier right the revive card that brings it back and so that plus this creature means that it's very difficult to kill her because you kill her like your opponent targets her with a removal spell or gets into a combat with her 
and then you fake your own death on her. She dies. She brings back your fake your own death. You get a treasure out of the deal and also trade for whatever she was tangling with. And that often is a serious problem for your opponent that is going to stabilize your board. The other option there, rather than fake your own death, is you can use uh, Dig Up the Body, which is two and a black for an instant with... Uh, uh casualty one with casualty one i i just want to say connive every time it's all it's all over the place (laughs) with connive with casualty (laughs) one and you mill two cards and you can return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand so you know you can sacrifice her return her and something else to your hand and you can't do this a million times because it mills you four every time so you got to be a little bit careful with what you're doing but you know some combination of rebuying her and then rebuying the spell with her death trigger uh this is one of the few ways to create like a value engine out of commons and uncommons in this format that's actually a payoff for extending the game black also just has a lot of cards that at least at uncommon actually kind of function when you're getting attacked rather than attacking rafine silencer it's two and a black for a one one that connives when ETBs, and when it dies, target creature gets minus X, minus X, equal to its power. Uh, Night Clubber is one of the best ways to shut down a lot of the white decks. It is a blitz creature that gives their creatures minus one, minus one. So you can put together a defensive Grixis deck that is built like this, and that is the only deck without a bunch of rares that i'm fine with being like not i'm gonna make a two drop and start attacking my opponent with uh every other primary archetype in this format which are uh generally just the allied two color decks is kind of what i'm going for in most of my drafts Mm -hmm. those are all just i gotta attack my opponent i gotta get him dead so now that doesn't mean with crixus you can ignore two drops entirely you still ideally want to have a board you you need to i mean if you have a lot of strangles then that can be your early game the problem is there's no other removal spell to back strangle up with that can like count as your early game there's uh light them up but that's two damage for two mana which is like pretty inefficient and often you know if they play a civil servant you can't kill that and so You can't reliably have just removal spells. One thing that can really help patch that up, though, is the counter spell. And I think that is that like is that like make disappear or something like that? Make disappear is the counter spell with casualty one. Yeah, yeah, and and so that's a quench with casualty one, and that card at one point was the like winningest blue common, and so you can depending on your mana base and how it's constructed and stuff. Your early game can be mostly strangles and make disappears, and that's pretty acceptable. Uh, But Corrupt Court Official is also a very good two-drop in that deck. That's just Ravenous Rats, which I think is like the second best black common according to the stats. But Ravenous Rats was the second best black common last set too. Yeah, we're continuing the trend of Virus Beetle being what you really want to do. (laughs) Once you get synergies attached to Ravenous Rats, it's actually a really good card, and the set does have synergies attached to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... Chittering Rats was played in Popper for a very long time. A and very it was a long time. Of tickets. <laughs> so you don't have to preach to me about the power of just using rats well. I've taken Corrupt Court Official over Murder uh, and been like completely fine doing it. Murder is like okay in this format. 
but it's maybe the fourth best black common or something like that. Yeah, no corrupt court official. A wild reprint. This is definitely the worst murder has ever been, I think, in any limited set. Okay, I'm not going to contest you on that because I don't remember all the sets murders been in. (laughs) You just... uh, rarely trade up on i mean sometimes you trade up on mana because there are fours and fives but you often have to cast it on a three and also it costs double black and that might be tough depending on what you're doing with your mana base and you know they cast a three you murder it it's like okay that was fine i guess but a lot of the threes also do something when it comes into play so maybe they got a connive out of it maybe they got a treasure out of it and and often that exchange just like was bad for you. If only they had fully leaned into Zidakar and just given us hideous end instead of murder. Yeah, so you could deal a couple damage yeah, to them. Murder did two damage. Okay. That would be the best black common if Ooh, you dealt yeah. two damage to them. <laughs> but it doesn't. <laughs> I mean that card was pretty obnoxious last time it was around. Yes. And it also has like the ancient black removal templating where you can't hit black creatures, right? Does it? I don't actually remember. I, I think it did. If I am recalling correctly. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so how do you build your decks in this format, basically? In my two-color aggro decks, which is the majority of the time what I want to be in, I want a lot of two-drops. It's easier to get a lot of good two-drops in white. One of the problems with the other colors is, you know, say I'm in red-green. I only have two two-drops that I'm ha- happy to play. And that is Jetmir's Fixer, the Gold 2-drop, and uh, Mayhem Patrol, which is the 1-2 that when it attacks, target creature gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. It has Menace and it has Blitz. And that card, if you're on the draw, even like, yes, I do want to be attacking every game, but sometimes you do have to block a little bit, and this guy can't do that. So your options end up getting really limited. You know, the other 2-drops in that color combination are like a two mana two two that untaps a creature or land when it attacks which is an okay card in green white because you have like citizen synergies with that thing but it's not very effective in red green and the two two that you can pay mana to give death touch to i just regard as like a barely playable card because you can never spend that mana until like very late in the game sure so it it just doesn't do that much on turn two and so that's that's one of the reasons that white is so good is because you actually get to start out with a card that you want to be playing on turn two instead of being forced to play a bunch of like really kind of mopey two drops. Just in order to match their white card. Yeah, exactly. And so I want to have this critical mass of two drops. I want most of my cards to push damage. I'm happy playing upwards of like four or five pump spells or combat trick interactions including a quick draw dagger which is a card that has uh, had a lot of controversy attached to it among creators apparently this is a three mana equipment with flash when it etbs you attach it to a creature you control and it gets first strike until end of turn and equip creature gets plus one plus one and it has equip of one when i'm on the play and i attack you with my two drop and you block with your two drop and i get to quick draw dagger it uh it really feels like the game is over unless you do something pretty special from there because it makes my two drop often big enough that you can't block it the next turn either because all the creatures are around the same size so if i just turn my creature into like a four three then it just might not be able to do anything about it for a little bit 
And that short sword ability is legitimately great in this format. Putting it on flyers, putting it on fish, putting it back on your like creature you played this turn so that it can block more effectively. One mana is just such a cheap equip cost that it's a real card in play. And uh, this is a totally legitimate combat trick if you're attacking on the ground. It's less good once you have seven or eight flyers in your deck. So short sword is a really good card once in play because... Like you mentioned, the equipability is very cheap. Moving around efficiently is really easy to do. Mm-hmm. But is the the three mana cost in order to get the like combat trick out of it? Is that justified outside of the turn two or turn three scenario you were outlining? Like how ag- does that come up? As is long that- as I am turning my creature sideways, I have never had a problem finding a spot to leverage it into a combat trick that wins. If all the creatures are the same size. So plus one, plus one in first strike wins a combat at some point in the game. It also seems like one of the few cards you can use to kill something with four toughness. <laughs> yes, it, it does actually do that. And using it to allow my creatures to fight their spars adjudicators has been like a big thing that that card has done for me. So... Any other like palm spells you're particularly high on? I know, like in an earlier episode, we talked about uh, one of the green ones. Yeah, for the family is the best one. That's green for plus two plus two, which would be a fine card on its own. I would play it. Uh, but if you have four creatures, then your creature gets plus four plus four. There's a lot of spots where I'm just like, if they have four of the family here, I'm dead, and <laughs> hopefully they don't. And not much I can do about it. Yeah, it is much better. This is another thing, you know, green, white, and green, red. You're playing this two-drop game. You're trying to attack. You have green cards involved. But for the family is one of green's better cards. It's significantly better in green, white than in green, red. Green, white makes tokens and its creatures stick around. Green, red is very much into the blitz game. So a lot of your, it's hard to get four creatures. So for the family is turned on a lot in green, white. And I... I don't know that I've ever had it give plus four plus four in green red. So that that's just one an additional small like, man, green red really just kind of got the shaft in a lot of little ways here. Honestly, in green red, I would generally play the red pump spell over for the family a lot. I've been really happy with this card in both my black red and my green red decks. This is just one and a red for plus four plus three. Antagonize. Speed. Yeah, antagonize. Four power on your pump spell is a lot three toughness is you know sometimes you still die to the giant thing that you're fighting but you're like pretty happy to take it out but also i've just like attacked my opponent there at nine they have to let two creatures through they die and that happens a pretty reasonable amount of the time it's the poor man's burn spell yeah and in this format anything that is dealing face damage anything that's putting pushing damage through deserves a spot in your consideration in white, I really like. Let me let me look up what this card is called. Which one is it? This card is so boon of safety is not playable generally. Uh, I would not consider that a pump spell. It doesn't let you win combats in the same way. Uh, Revelation of power. Target creature gets plus two plus two for two mana. Uh, if it has a counter on it, it also gains flying and lifelink until end of turn. A lot of times that's the difference between winning and losing a race. Uh, you have a decent number of counters running around. You can ambush a flyer with it, which is pretty relevant. And it's really, really, really good on Illuminator Virtuoso. 
which is an uncommon two drop. This is another space where white has advantages is that uh, it has at least like, like white blue has a couple of good uncommon two drops where like they don't show up in, in green. It's like you get an okay one in the blitz guy that forces a creature to block, but like illuminator virtuoso is crazy powerful one and yeah, a white one, a one double strike, strike. card. <laughs> Yes, and when it becomes a target of a spell you control, it connives, so you target this with Revelation of Power, immediately on this turn you have a 4-4 flying double strike lifelink. That's going to win most races, even with just one hit with that. The other pump spell that I think is a premium card in this format is in blue, actually, and that is Majestic Metamorphosis, two in a blue instant. Till end of turn, target artifact or creature becomes a 4-4 angel artifact creature and gains flying. Draw a card. You can target your Illuminator Virtuoso with that and hit them for 5 damage, double strike, so 10 damage. You can hit... I, I mean, if you have a treasure token, this can just be a 4 damage burn spell sometimes. Yeah. That's kind of rare because, like, blue-white is not a treasure token-making color combination. But it's also uh, not this... a very quick-silver dagger or quick-draw dagger-friendly combination right. either. Right. You you try not to play too many unless your deck is like full of Rafine's informants, which if it is like your deck's probably pretty good and you can run quick draw dagger. Uh, and then, you know, your majestic metamorphosis is that much better. But metamorphosis is just really good. This is a format where it's fantastic. Suit up was quite good last format, so this shouldn't be too surprising to people. And this is a format where pump spells are better than in any format i've ever seen yeah they're they're really good yes it's very like it's very combat focused from what i'm gathering but yeah. there's not a lot of ways to get cards off the table which reminds me a lot of the dynamics of uh like gate, gate crash kind of blood rush where blood rush mm -hmm. was really good because it's just like all pump spells and no one could ever block right yeah and in some ways this format feels the same Often you're forced into blocking because there's just no other way. It's just like, okay, they went first. We are making creatures. If they attack every turn and I attack every turn and I never block, I'm not going to win the race. So I have to block at some point and I hope that it doesn't go horribly for me. And your goal is to make it go horribly for them. Is there a way to, as the defender, break serve? Like if your opponent has an attack and makes a bump spell, can you go up on that without just having like a, a generic removal spell? Yeah, uh, lifelink is kind of the way to, like, win the race when you're on the back foot, and so that's one of the reasons why I do like Revelation of Power. It's, like, not that hard to get a 5 damage lifelink swing into play at some point, and that can beat a lot of people. You can out-trick them sometimes, potentially. If they cast a pump spell, but then you have a quick draw dagger, you might win that fight still, but that does require having open mana up on their a turn. A lot of open mana in the case of quick draw dagger. <laughs> right, which can be can be tough one of the things that is actually really good at breaking serve in my opinion and people different people have different opinions on this card i think hold for ransom is quite good in this format this is one in a white for a pacifism and they can pay seven mana to make you sacrifice it and then you draw a card it just like doesn't come down to that that much it's just like you played a three drop. I'm going to double spell with this hold for ransom and another two drop on my turn. And the game's going to be over by the time you have enough mana to free this. And you might not even want to by the time you can, because it's just a three drop and you don't want to give me a card at this point. It just like, you don't, don't treat it like a removal spell. You treat it like a falter effect that 
is like going to make your opponent's combat life awkward it also like most of the games i play in limited where i have seven mana uh the game has not gone according to plan (laughs) right not in this format certainly but uh and that's actually that's another thing that i wanted to point out about this format so because you are so incentivized to run a low curve and because you're not rewarded for having expensive spells in your deck most of them just aren't that good flooding is like a serious consideration in this format even with the lands that you can sacrifice to draw a card it's just like you there's nothing for you to do with land number six most of the time and also like once you do get to a point that you've just like traded all of your spells for your opponents because they're all pump spells and two ones and three twos and then like oh wait our cards just aren't strong enough to finish off the game anymore because they're all like three and four like nobody played the two three flying connive which is like a monster in this format (laughs) then you just get into this thing where it's like i hope i draw more spells than my opponent and blue white blue white's keyword is connive which allows it to loot it just does that and make their creatures bigger uh, early game too to get an advantage like late game you're getting rid of lands early game you can get rid of nonsense cards yes and including uh expendable lackey which you can use exile from your graveyard to make a fish and it's very very playable when you are conniving but this connive keyword is very good at allowing blue white to continue playing the game when your opponent is going to draw two lands too many and then you're just going to shut them down that way and that is one of the other reasons that this color combination is so strong so we've talked about blue white a lot Uh, yes (laughs) green hard to avoid talking about blue white in this format i I think it's where you want to where you're hoping you end up you 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 start your day two arena draft and if future you comes back and is like we got a good blue white deck like that's what you want to hear can we talk about the black pairs Uh, Mm -hmm. we've gotten, gotten a lot of press on black like black red and blue black yeah the grixis individuals yes and so i don't have as i don't have god i don't think i have a single straight blue black draft in my like draft log for this format which is kind of wild why is that just like no real reason to go in the format or did your drafts have just taken you a different way i think i probably just like always take strangles when i'm in like this sort of color world i probably should try to draft some demir decks because i know it's like a color combination that is all right but i'm just more likely to be a grixis deck when i'm kind of doing that stuff but i i should branch out a little bit more i've i've done a lot of draft you know i've got my token for entry into the the qualifier qualifier and i'm working on my second one uh, i have not drafted demir i have drafted a lot of rakdos though and it's completely acceptable you do have to lean into the sacrifice synergy and you can't look at like the the game win data for the cards and like allow that to determine your deck you basically have to be taking your body droppers over everything it's by far the most important card to have in play to make your cards good this is black red for a 2-2 whenever you sacrifice a creature you put a plus one plus one counter on it and black red sacrifice a creature it gains menace until end of turn you don't activate that ability that much except for when you're pushing damage on you know turn six seven whatever but 
you sacrifice creatures on your own to blitz and to casualty, or ideally you cast a blitz creature and then cast a casualty spell, sacrificing your blitz creature. Is is that's the that's the, the chef's trick. kiss moment? Yeah. <laughs> and every time that you do sacrifice something that you're not paying that activation ability, that activation cost for body dropper, you're still getting that plus one plus one counter. And so your best black red games are where you go like turn two body dropper, turn three body dropper, turn four blitz a creature, and then you just blitz creatures until your opponent dies. Uh, it helps because I know some of the red black blitz cards make tokens behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the the four drop black creature gilded something or another. Uh, Gerdergoons. Uh, Gerdergoons. Yeah, and is, then there's the uncommon yep. red one that makes a devil. Pugnacious pugilist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the names in the set are delightful, but I can never remember any of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are good names. Like, the, the flavor of these things, the the fact that the pugilist is a boxer who has, like, a devil trainer in his corner. Like, it's great design. It's I'm coach. totally into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, if you go body dropper into body dropper into, like, uh blitz pugnacious pugilist into blitz girder goons like your opponent mostly dies to that that's really difficult to deal with unless they manage to kill both of your body droppers which is tough and and you'll note that i mean just like read those cards read pugnacious pugilist read girder goons and think about how badly you do not want to cast them as a five drop they're not good at blocking they're just four fours you give up all of the value associated with their blitzing and that blitzing is only really good if your opponent's life total is under pressure because it gives you a a lava spike plus in addition to all the other stuff so you really really need to be attacking to make these four and five mana spells good and that's just the name of the game here one of the red cards that's blitz centric uh, that caught my eye was plasma jockey Mm -hmm. Uh, that is like an on crop crasher kind of yeah uh, new, new printing i guess yes uh it, does that card factor into this kind of deck oh yeah one million percent it, that's what i would think but i didn't it, it just seems so it's like goblin heel cutter-esque where you yeah. it just swings the board state so wide open i think the platonic ideal like black red deck is like 12 body droppers 12 plasma jockeys and 16 lands that's like what you would build if you could that that makes sense. The Plasma Jockey was one of the strongest commons in my like read through of the set while I was thinking about this, just because I I love any red creature with haste that makes my opponent not able to block. Yes, yeah. It and it does that, and like a lot of times it's significantly better than a Goblin Heel Cutter because if they throw a random other thing, you know, you make their big creature unable to block, so your other creature isn't threatened by a blocker. And they have like a token that they could kill your goblin heel cutter with, but this runs into it and draws you a card. Right. So a lot of times it, it's just like, wow, this is whew, this is disgusting what I'm doing here. Puts a counter on your body dropper. It's just mm-hmm. good to go. Yeah. And and just like Blitz forces through so much like there are not once you're below seven ish life or so like you're just not safe you could die at any time in this format to out of the the white decks you can just die to a pump spell that like gives flying or something out of the other decks you can die to blitz or you can die to pump spells out of even some of the like red green decks and you're not safe you have to end the game i do have to ask though 
what does this deck look like if you don't see body droppers? So I think you then get forced into a more something closer to the Grixis thing that is trying to leverage fake your own death, which is like a good card in any iteration of the black deck. And you're just trying to like use that as both a tempo thing to let your creatures trade up and then also get their comes into play or leaves play abilities again. You know, if the game starts to go long and you get a play that's like blitz girder goons or pugnacious pugilist and then gets a fake its own death so then it dies to its blitz ability and then comes back again and you have that body like that's an actual good value play and there aren't a lot of those in this format (laughs) that aren't just like cast inspiring overseer uh most of the value plays don't stack up to that value uh what about treasure that's a intrinsically value generating mechanic uh there's one good treasure card and that is Jewel Thief. That's and a 3 3. It's just, that card's just good because it's insanely pushed. So, 3 3 Vigilance Trample for 3 mana that gives you a treasure. Sailor of Means was the best blue common in Ixalan. Yeah, but now we've got, like, you know, we, we traded one point of toughness for two points of power and two keywords. So, <laughs> yeah, and Vigilance on a 3 3 is disgusting in this format. It's bigger than like a lot of the stuff and it just forces you to engage with it in combat and your shields are never down. So if you have a for the family, you got a treasure out of your jewel thief. You will always be able to cast your for the family whenever they do choose to engage with it in combat and you probably destroy them at that point. Jewel thief is nuts. Which actually goes a long way of kind of explaining why blue, white and white green are so well, green-white it can play Jewel Thief, but blue-white competes with it just because it has so many good cards. Yes, it, it has a lot of good cards, and that's an important part of just, like, green. green's commons after Jewel Thief are not, not at that level at all. Yeah. Like, Jewel Thief is crazy, but then the next best common, I'm not sure exactly what it is in win percentage, but probably the one that I have played the most and made the most use of it's either for the family, which is a good pump spell, but it's a pump spell, uh, or it's Caldea Strong Arm, which is the five mana two three, when it ETBs, put two plus one plus one counters on target creature, and it has Blitz for four mana. Like that's probably like the second best green common. So it's nowhere near the depth that White has. If only they had decided to maybe spread out some of Jewel Thief's power a little bit among the other cards. <laughs> a little bit. That is one of the things about the format, too, is just, like, power level gaps between cards. Uh, It is a bumpy ride out there. Like, yes, a lot of the commons are in that same, like, power and toughness range. But, like, the gap between Jewel Thief and Inspiring Overseer and then just, like, the rest of the commons (laughs) is uh, something else. I guess Rafine's Informant is kind of up there, but... Uh, the rest of them are just nowhere close. Do you want to... How does um, the... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but so as far as treasure, generally, it's not like an archetype that works. You can't build a treasure deck in any meaningful way. Glittermonger, the 4-mana 1-4 that taps to create a treasure token, just shouldn't be in your deck. You can't afford to be doing that stuff. You know, there's some cards that hint at like a long term value plan with treasure, like stimulus package, four mana enchantment makes two treasures. You can sacrifice a treasure to make a citizen. But 
you're in green red. There's nothing. There's literally nothing you can do with with these citizen tokens to make them better than one one creatures. Like they're just tokens. Green white can do a lot with citizen tokens, but green red is just not. Like this is just not a functional value card. Uh, there's just not a great way. You have a little bit of incidental value because you want to play your Jetmere's fixers anyways. These are the red-green 2-2s that you can pay red-green to pump them. Or if you used a treasure to pay the cost, then they get a counter. But it's not worth, like, going hard into treasures for that synergy. The only, like, real treasure payoff is Facebreaker, whatever it's called. The rare? Professional Facebreaker? Yeah, Professional Facebreaker. But, like, that can kind of, like, feed itself. You don't need other synergies to make that thing work. It's just very good. Uh, what about the other three color combinations we haven't talked about? Because we agree Bant is good because green, white, and blue, white are good. Yeah. Uh, Grixis is good with the constraints you laid out. Mm -hmm. uh, we have not talked to any about Esper, Naya, or Jund. Yeah, I mean, Esper, like you can end up in a kind of controlling-ish Esper deck. I much prefer Grixis because I think Strangle is such an important part of the equation there. And like Corpse Appraiser is a reason that gives you value and you're like happy to have these colors available Corpse to you. Corpse Appraiser also turns on half of your stupid little graveyard cards. Yes, exactly. Like when you uh, fake your own death on a Corpse Appraiser, you're on top of the, you're absolutely on top of the world there. Yeah. Uh, and those synergies for a defensive deck that's trying to find some way to get value, they don't exist at mu as much at common and uncommon in Esper. Uh, like the white is, you know, white is really good. So that's what a more Esper deck would be interested in. Like you're getting inspiring overseers, but I'm more inclined to build a deck that's like attacking my opponent than with my flyers. But you can, you can put together some Esper stuff. I'm just generally not interested in it if i have blue cards and white cards i'm trying to build like a mostly blue white deck and not super interested in splashing if i don't have to i'm not sure like what the esper combination is really giving me here that i i can't just kind of do on my own the black cards that are good are so synergy based you know the top black commons are uh girder goons and corrupt court official i those don't work super well with the blue and the white cards. So it's really just like, what kind of rare did you open that's Esper? Yeah. Yeah. I did have... My favorite deck that I've drafted in this format was a... I had the Esper Ascendancy. Oh my god, you actually played it? Obscura Ascendancy? Yes. So this is blue, black, white. And when you cast a spell... Basically, you have to count up. You have to cast a one mana spell, and then you get a 2-2 two -two flyer. You cast a two mana spell, then you get a 2-2 two -two flyer. You cast a three mana spell, then you get a 2-2 two -two flyer. And once you've cast five, your spirits get plus three, plus three. And so the the joke in this deck, it was a base Grixis deck with like just with enough treasures <laughs> that I could actually cast Obscura Ascendancy. It's just splashing a white, one white card into yeah, it. Course. And the cute thing about this version of the deck is that I had double Torch Breath in it, which is an X spell, so you can set its mana cost to whatever you need for your Obscura Ascendancy. So I... And I had a couple... You know, I had Strangles and stuff for one mana spells. So multiple times I, like, cast Obscura Ascendancy, 
cast a couple of spells, use Torch Breath as like one of my low curve spells. And then I played a Cormella to be my four, get back the X spell, and then cast that as my with X equals four to be my five mana spell. So it was like the same spell was multiple costs in the chain, which was very satisfying. But I, you know, obviously this deck is not like a th- don't don't try this at home. It's very unlikely to come together. But it was really cute that it worked out the way that it did. It also hinges on Obscurus MNC, which is uh, yes. hard to make work, I guess, a rare, is a generous is, statement. I think it's reasonably playable because there are a lot of archetypes that are happy to play multiple one-mana spells. One-mana spells in this format that are playable are Strangle, n- not in its color combination, but at common in blue, white, black, you can play Rafine's Influence? Rafine's Guidance which is the aura that gives plus one, plus one. You can cast from your graveyard for three mana, and you can also play Expendable uh, Expendable Lackey. And both of those are great because you can discard them to connive and then get value out of them. So they're like generally playable anyways. All right, what about Jund? What about Naya? Right. So, (laughs) you know, as I said, you know, Jund is like the disaster scenario. If you have like multiple cards from each of the three colors and it's not just like okay yeah i will splash this one rare because i have treasure tokens or whatever uh that's pretty bad in jund because you are not your cards have to be attacking they all have blitz if you're not pressuring your opponent then you're not your cards aren't doing anything and when you are three colors that becomes harder to do your cards are not always cast on time and the cards just don't super work together in the way that you want them to most of the time. Uh, the black cards are desperate for synergies in order to be good. And as long as you are filling those synergies, then like black red is fine. Green just isn't like adding to the equation in a red black deck. And black isn't adding to the equation in a red green deck, which just needs to be attacking and playing pump spells the whole time. They are ultimately chasing the same goal, which is getting your opponent dead very quickly, but their synergies are just adding up in different ways such that I'm not really interested in playing, you know, I would love to be able to cast the common green blitz card in my black red deck. I mean, blitz and give two plus one plus one counters to a thing is very strong, but I am generally not willing to make the mana sacrifices to do that unless I have just a ton of treasure sources, then then that's fine as a splash. But I'm not trying to be heavy on three colors or anything like that. It's just like a little of a bridge too far. Yeah. Uh, so what's is the issue with Naya similar, whereas red-green adds nothing to green-white? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Like green-white is good enough to get it done on its own. It's got all of the same stuff. It's got the best two-drop for combat in the format at common in civil servant like this thing is just a two mana creature that often attacks as a three three lifelink mm-hmm. uh, it's the best start that you can have when you're just gonna rumble and you have pump spells in your hand and stuff and then because of that it's saying play a bunch of citizens in your deck and those cards are white and a couple of green ones that you wouldn't play in a red green deck unless you were desperate and so they just don't add together very well. You, This is a format that is all about making two drops. You can't have two drops in more than two colors or your deck is a, a failure. Like you can't play Jetmir's Fixer and also play 
Rafine's informant in the same deck. I don't think that functions, uh, especially in this format where like one player has won or lost the game by turn six most of the time. Sure. Like nobody, maybe nobody's at zero, but the game is determined. So for Naya, because green white is just like, yeah, let me attack and play pump spells. Uh, you don't really want like green white is bad at making treasures. So it's really tough to splash. Red green is pretty good at making treasures, but you don't want to play a lot of the white cards. A lot of the good white cards are two drops. So that doesn't like add anything to your green red, green red deck. You can splash like a copy of Inspiring Overseer that you picked up or whatever. And that's totally fine. And and I do feel that red green is not as bad as the numbers and as people talking about it would have you believe. Uh, I guess this is the red green section. You just have to commit. You have to play as many two drops as you can get your hands on. You have to play the, you know, quote, bad pump spells. You have to play two mana plus four plus three that's fine you have to get your damage in and uh you have to play sticky fingers and then you know the weird thing about sticky fingers is you're mostly using it for the menace this is the Mm -hmm. aura that gives a creature menace and when it hits them you get a treasure token and then when the creature dies you draw a card uh you're honestly mostly using it for menace most of the time and the treasures are a little bit the treasure is basically to make it cost zero mana the turn that you play it almost more than anything else uh because like generating treasures over time doesn't do that much for you when your whole deck is twos and threes it it can if you have an uncontested sticky fingers early in the game then yeah of course that can help you dump your hand and just destroy your opponent uh it is best on one drops so when you can get the the gold hound or the one red mana the witness the when it dies unlucky you can, witness yeah unlucky witness uh you know, those are really where you want to start because you can play a one drop, turn two, play sticky fingers on it, and then play a two drop. And then, like, when are they going to have time to double block your one drop? And still it's... deal with your two drop with all your pump spells. Exactly. And then it also means that at some point they're just like, yeah, I got to use a removal spell on this one drop. So then you lose that, like, God, I spent a whole card on this one drop problem because they have to use a removal spell on it. And then you get your card back from sticky fingers. Where Sticky Fingers is really bad is when they don't actually have to deal with the creature because it's like not dealing them that much damage and they can just take it and not kill it and then you never get your card back out of the Sticky Fingers and they're just attacking you back and then you die. And so that's, you know, there's definitely some flaws to the Sticky Fingers game plan, but the goal is to get your opponent dead right now and that's where Sticky Fingers helps. Is there a way to close out the game in Red Green? Uh, that so yes that's i think ultimately the problem with red green it is plasma jockey or bust basically you don't have flying you have very limited trample and like none of your pump spells give trample so it's really like only jewel thief plus pump spell is a way to like push damage via like oh i have a libation in hand that's that x pump spell whereas the other colors have menace or flying or something and the creatures in red green just have you just have to be bigger and that's not always the case and like your only creature with menace is the patrol the two drop uh, mayhem patrol and you gold, just don't gold have on his menace too right yeah but that's a one one it's tiny yeah yeah and and you don't have ways as easily 
to put counters on your creatures and pump them and stuff like you only have the blitz guy and so you're you're not you're generally not constructing like a big menace creature the way that you know blue white or green white often constructs like oh wow i managed to turn my sky crier into a three three almost by accident and you can't possibly race this card you don't have any functionality like that uh you're also very bad at dealing with blockers with shield counters on them when that happens you just don't have a way to to get, get over them to right. push through the field counter you just have, like have to take it on the gen yes like if somebody plays the the duelist the 2-1 double strike shield counter and you're on red green if you don't have specifically call in a professional which is two and a red three damage to a target damage can't be prevented this turn if you don't have that i think you just lose because you have to trade like four cards for it and that call in a professional is not common too so yes yes it's very very good because it adds some it's very very good especially in red green because it adds something to your deck that you just don't have access to otherwise so yeah certainly problems with red green there are things that it has a really tough time beating the only way to sort of leverage that is to kill your opponent dead really really fast lead in super hard sticky fingers adds an evasion element to your deck that you kind of lack otherwise and allows you to deploy your threats very quickly and I mean, uh, I I don't think I'm happy with my red-green deck unless I have, like, at least three Jetmir's Fixers in it. And that's kind of true for, like, most of the combinations. I'm not super happy with my green-white deck unless I have a couple of Civil Servants. I'm definitely not happy with my black-red deck unless I have, like, multiple body droppers. Green-white you can get by without Civil Servant, but that's, like, the reason to be in the color combination, so... Blue white, it doesn't matter. You can have no celestial <laughs> regulators, and it's fine. There's just like infinite options. There's just so many good replacements yeah. and that color combination. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to talk about next? Because uh, we've we've gone through all the the normal drafting stuff. I guess the the archetypes, the cards, the strategy. Yeah. So just to talk about what the color imbalance kind of does to the format a little bit more it's very strange i drafting is interesting but it is less it feels less like i'm trying to a a lot of drafts you're big you're trying to like kind of bake a cake and you have like several different like cakes you can bake and like different frostings you can put on them and different like little flourishes for your cake right yeah of course Uh, this is how i describe drafting i mean come on it's not a bad no no i know you're right but I, i just like how you you know of course you're following along in this format, I feel more like I'm trying to bake a souffle. We're just trying to avoid the souffle collapsing. That's the most important thing. Like, it's so easy to get your draft train wrecked, and you're a little bit on rails in the way that you build several of these decks, and it's it can be difficult to transition from one to the other and actually like keep any of your cards that you drafted in one to use in the deck that you realize is open. You are just doing everything you can to not train wreck your draft rather than to like fundamentally create something interesting out of the draft. And so it can be like an interesting challenge to navigate that. I am not sure how fun that ends up being long term. So does that mean when you are drafting this set, you are uh, kind of picking your lane early and just trying to maintain it? (sighs) I'm trying to figure that out. And I don't think I can 
really tell you. I just know that what's the best way to put this? The method of like, okay, I know blue white is really good. So I want to like bias towards that. But right now, maybe it's being a little bit overdrafted. And so then maybe like, yeah, I did take this Rafine's informant first pick, but now like it's not looking like brokers is open, but I kind of want to like keep pushing towards it because I know that can give me a much better deck than these other combinations. And I certainly don't want to end up in Naya or whatever that can easily lead to, oh man, I really just like have taken three like not great cards in a row because I really want to be in this color combination and now I'm seeing a fifth pick body dropper just take the just take the body dropper there I have learned from this format at least from the drafts that I'm doing from the tables that I am at is that often uh jumping ship into a deck that looks like oh this might be open there's like a decent chance that you're the only person then at the table that is drafting that deck because everybody wants to be in the brokers decks. And then if you are the only, not just red black, but maybe there is a Grixis player at the table, but they're not going deep into the sacrifice stuff. Uh, you can just get your three or four body dropper deck. I've multiple times playing for the trophy played against somebody that just like, wow, they have four body droppers in their deck. And I think that you need to be aware of that and you need to be willing not just to transition from like a deck into a deck that's related to it but be like okay i'm just gonna abandon these picks so that i can be in this two color deck that is not my colors but i think it's open and if i stick with this and like hedge and like like take a card of this color take a card of that color then i'm gonna end up with like two bad halves of a deck and jumping ship is way more likely to lead to a non-train wrecked draft your souffle is collapsing in the bad cards example where you're just like trying to force yes. your way through it yes and i don't know how you rescue a souffle in the middle of baking it when it looks like it's going uh, wrong. you just start a new souffle yeah yeah exactly like my my white souffle is not working i started with the rafine's informant but the cards aren't coming i'm going to start on a body dropper souffle yeah, this is a better analogy than I initially thought. <laughs> Listen, this is I I like writing. I'm pretty good at it. I can talk my way out of situations that I have talked myself into. <laughs> oh, one funny data point that I wanted to talk about specifically very briefly. Uh, I think it was on Sam's podcast that this got pointed out. So depopulate, pretty good card. It has a pretty high win rate when drawn. I think it is clearly good in this type of format because sweepers are strong in a format that's just all about like playing twos and threes and attacking. However, its win rate when it's in your deck is like it makes your deck worse to have depopulate in your deck. But it's not because depopulate is bad because it's like win rate when drawn was like five percentage points higher than win rate while in your deck which very clearly indicates that people were taking a depopulate and then because they had depopulate drafting a def more defensive deck. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Play the good cards. The cards are good at attacking. They're only good at attacking. So draft your deck that way. And then when you draw your depopulate, change the way that you play to make your depopulate a little bit better. It's but, really not hard to make a wrath good. And right. Right. 
you don't need to be playing like the one four flash or the the oh three flash connive or whatever like you don't need to be playing like uh a bunch of the pacifisms when you didn't really want them based on your curve and stuff to make like you don't need to play like the four mana draw to just play the good cards plan on attacking your opponent all of the good cards are good at attacking your opponent and then you can make to populate good when you draw it or whatever bomby card uh I, I think this is true for like all of the five mana rares and stuff just put them in your deck and then make your deck good for when you don't draw it and when you do draw it they'll still be fine don't drag out the game to help you draw your five mana card the cards just aren't good at that yeah that makes sense uh any you know quick card hits you want to talk about any you know stories burning holes in your pocket uh i think i told like the good stories mostly uh there's a lot of bad like less fun stories i hear all of those (laughs) yeah yeah i've sent you a bunch of them A, a lot of it is like oh boy this game went a little long and now we're just in like who draws more spells and fewer lands off the top of their library which is not the most fun yeah, it looks like we talked about most of the cards that I noted. Basically, like, all the two drops are better than you think. Uh, they're just the most important thing. I, as, I, as I'm as i drafting a deck, my first consideration, the thing I'm thinking of the most, is what is my two drop count at? Or, you know, how, how many ways do I have to affect the board on turn one and turn two? Strangles and two drops. Uh, I don't... This is one of the reasons why I don't want to be in three colors. I don't want the consideration to also be how much mana fixing do I have? Because I want to spend my picks on two drops. I don't want to spend them on mana fixing until that mana fixing comes around. Uh, And you can get your mana fixing pretty late, but I don't want to have to prioritize it. And also, a third color doesn't contribute to my two drop count, which is my number one concern. And so I... I don't care about it. I don't want the third color. It's not giving me the things that I want, which is two mana creatures that attack really well. <laughs> yeah. So I know you have a note about ascendancies here. It's near the bottom because they're rare. Yeah. Why? Uh, yes. So my ascendancies question is why are some of the ascendancies so bad? And why are some of the ascendancies brokers ascendancy? <laughs> which is like, a common theme for like a bunch of the cycles is like the broker's card is just like kind of a wild limited card the ascendancy just puts a plus one plus one counter on each of your creatures in your end step every turn it's not beatable uh (laughs) and then like the naya ascendancy cabaretti ascendancy just doesn't have text i actually don't even know what cabaretti ascendancy does that's at the beginning of your upkeep you look at the top card of your library if it's a creature card you put it into your hand. If it's not, you can scry it to the bottom. Oh, it's a dom- it's a Domri plus one. Yeah, it's that's just a, a Domri plus one. That's rough. It's not good enough. It just doesn't do anything uh, compared to... Like, Broker's Ascendancy effectively draws you a creature on your end step and casts it for free every single turn. Cabaretti Ascendancy, like, draws you like a third of a card on your upkeep that you still have to cast yeah well only one of these has broken the name yes and i mean that is that is the joke that's the low-hanging fruit joke about the broker's cards yeah, that's right why i took it yeah thank you yeah someone has to make souffle allergies and the other person has to just go for the the obvious jokes um 
But hopefully this has given a decent introduction to like how to approach the format. I certainly didn't know for my first couple of drafts, like, oh, if you don't make a two drop, you might just like be effectively dead by turn four. Uh, I do now and I play two drops and I play pump spells and that's what this format's about. So I would encourage people to draft aggressively, aim for two color decks, uh, read signals hard because I, I do believe that the point of every draft is to not get train wrecked. And that's really what you're going for in this format. So uh, any any deck that's like trying... And that, that ends up being a really kind of disappointing thing is that any deck that's trying to do some fancy synergy stuff, you know, my sweet uh, Torch Defiance uh, Obscura Ascendancy deck, like it was really sweet. But I too won with it because there was a game that there was a match that was just like my mana didn't work at all one game and doing fancy stuff in this format is not not likely to give you a 3-0. And in particular, on day two of these arena events, I believe you draft once and then you play like seven matches with your deck. So you need a good deck and you need a deck that doesn't just fail on you. And that's going to be a deck that is very good at casting its spells. I think your analysis of the format being very two-color centric and getting to the board early is spot on, uh, but that makes it kind of disappointing to me on a set level because you mm -hmm. open a pack and you see all these like, you know, three-color gold cards. You try to mm -hmm. draft them, you're like, oh, I did the thing the set told me to, and it didn't work. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. I think. In, in as far as that facet is concerned, that does seem to be a failure of design. But I always do like limited formats that are more combat-centric. Like all the ones we cited, Zendikar, Gatecrash. I mm -hmm. like those formats. I mean, yeah, this one's about fighting. If you want to fight, like, this is the one for you. I don't, not the fight cards, though. Don't, don't play yeah. prize fight. That card, I believe, is almost unplayable in this format. I wasn't planning on doing any any fighting just yes brawling <laughs> yeah this this format is heavily about brawling well do you want to do the outro i wasn't actually trained in that i only practiced the intro the fine art of outro saying yeah yeah i can take care of that lee thank you for being the question asker today yeah of course uh, and Anytime thanks everybody we have to do a limited episode honestly we'll probably <laughs> kind of be like that i don't know that we had to do a limited episode but this is the only it, it thing a, i've been engaging in so it's also a really good excuse because it, it's a relevant format right now yeah and, and honestly like i do not care that this format is like kind of bad or unbalanced or whatever like i just have it is a joy to engage in a limited format feeling like i'm studying for a, a goal at the end of the month uh it's really nice that said hopefully some of y'all are doing the same thing so this episode is actually useful to you uh i can highly recommend sam's podcast for just like i don't like just looking at 17 lands data so i appreciate mowing the lawn and listening to sam talk and and you know give me the 17 lands data on stuff and break it down uh and then the lords of limited podcast is also pretty good for just very, like very good yeah here are here are our takes and it gives a lot of helpful context thanks everybody so much for listening we really really appreciate your time 
If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash MTG Grindcast. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, we're also on Twitter. Uh, I am at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is... I am at Lee McCleo. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Goodbye.